I want to just go right into the Word this morning. And in praying and thinking about, Lord, what would you have me to say today? We're in transition from a week of Thanksgiving into the Christmas season. And the only thing that I could just, I could not get away from, the Lord kept nudging me with, is I want you to preach about worship. Worship. In the Thanksgiving season where we preached about being thankful last Sunday, being grateful, giving God praise. And as we transition and move into Christmas, it's all about Him and about worship. You know the manger scene, it's set up, and the wise men and the shepherds come in to give glory and give worship and honor to baby Jesus. It's about worship. So today I've entitled this little message I'm going to share with you, won't be long, but the effects of a worshiping church. The effects of a worshiping church. Do you know that worship to the Lord has an effect? It has many effects. And I'm going to preach about some of those today. But first, let me tell you what worship is. Worship can be defined as worthiness, respect, or reverence paid to a divine being or admiration to an object of esteem. That tells me that it can be easy for us if we're not careful to, to give admiration and respect in our worship toward objects and people instead of God first. Let me put it this way. Let me simply put it this way. I believe worship means today we have a heart after God. Does anybody here today have a heart after Him today? <laughs> 1 Samuel 13 says, The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart. And this scripture is speaking of when King Saul broke the commandment of the Lord and God rejected him as king of Israel. God would select and anoint David to be king, a man after his own heart. Did you know this was the only time God sought a man? This would be the only time in the Old Testament that God would seek anything. Every other time, people were seeking Him. I want you to also understand this this morning. In the Bible, there are 10 chapters that are related to Abraham. There are 11 chapters that relate to Isaac. There are 10 chapters that were related to the prophets Elijah and Elisha. 66 chapters related to David. And 1,200 references in the Bible made to King David in the Scriptures. 59 of those references are in the New Testament. And I begin to think, why is David, King David, one of the most prominent characters in the Bible other than Jesus Christ? Think about it. When we think about faith, who do we think of in the Bible? Abraham. When we think about miracles, who do we think about in the Bible? Elijah or perhaps Elisha. When we think about the law, we automatically think of Moses. But when we think about worship, who do we think of? I think about King David. I love to read about David. I love to preach about David. And if you study about King David, we'll find out that he was an awesome musician. He was a writer. He wrote many psalms and songs. He was also a warrior. He was a king. But most importantly, we learned that David had a heart after God. And David knew how to worship God. I need you to understand today the only thing necessary to praise God is breath. 
anybody can praise God today. The drug addict can praise God. The alcoholic can, breath can praise God. Anybody can praise God. Psalm 50 tells us, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. But church, to worship God, we have to go to a deeper dimension. Because the Bible says they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And King David understood this. The most prominent Old Testament character that was mentioned over 1,200 times was a man of worship. And there's got to be a reason for that. Why does God, why is He obsessed with this man named David? Why is He mentioned so many times throughout the Scriptures? Why this worshiper? Why so much attention to him because anytime listen to me good right here anytime the church has great worship you'll begin to see great things happen in that church you'll begin to see salvation take place you'll begin to see miracles take place you'll begin to see revival break out and take place but if you go to a church where nobody's praising God and everybody's sitting on their seat with their hands folded and you go to a church where nobody's passionate about Jesus then you'll see the effects of that too and nobody's getting touched and nobody's getting saved and nobody's getting delivered a church will never be effective unless they're a worshiping church and that's why I feel compelled today to preach this little message because I want us as Mount Holly Church to always be a worshiping church going after God come on somebody take a praise break right now and give him some praise in this house. Hallelujah. Let me give you some examples of the effects of a worship in church. John chapter 4, Jesus goes to Samaria. He sends the disciples, go get us some lunch. And while he's at Jacob's well, a prostitute, a sinner, comes up to that well, understands she is lost, and he begins to talk to her about worship. This conversation they have about worship touches her in such a mighty way that she leaves that well. She goes to town. She begins to tell the people about her encounter with a man named Jesus and begins to talk about everything he had revealed to her and talked to her about. And as a result with this experience, her experience with worship, there was a two-day revival that broke out and many more believed and were touched because in John chapter 4 verse 39 it says many believed on him because of her testimony and then verse 41 says that many more believed because of his own word you can reference these scripture texts that I just mentioned in dates and other places and these two groups of many they say would equal a very large congregation or perhaps even a small town. So my question today is how many of you would like to see folks here in this church get so touched by Jesus through their worship and praise to him that they would go out of these doors today and go into the workplace tomorrow and go to the grocery store and go into the restaurants and go into their neighborhoods and bring back their town and their community. Come on somebody. Well if you can get a church that gets a spirit of worship the spirit of worship will begin to attract and the thing that touched this prostitute was an understanding of worship. 
So much that it affected her entire community. A worshiping church will always have an effect. Another thing that worship will affect, you see, I think we underestimate, we don't understand that when the people of God begin to worship, something happens to sinners. And they begin to feel our joy and, and sense our joy and feel and sense our freedom and sense our peace. And something in them is saying, I don't have what they've got and I feel what they've got and I want it. And when you start worshiping, I love it, also that God starts looking for you. I'm just, just, just telling you some effects from worship. The Bible says the Father seeketh for such that will worship Him. And, and usually, come on, we come in with church or in our prayer time, we'll turn worship on the radio, driving the car. Come on, let's get real. Usually you and I are seeking God about financial help. We're seeking God about healing our bodies. We're seeking God about providing or opening a door or God touch my children Lord help me with my marriage and after a while though we ought to stop for just a moment seeking God for the stuff and just throw up our hands abandonedly and say Lord I'm just going to do nothing right here but go after your presence and I worship you and I love you I don't even need nothing right now it's all about you come on somebody and instead of seeking God, do you know what's possible for God to seek you? He seeks for such that will worship Him. How many here would like for God to come looking for you in this service? How many of you like for God to come find you? Come to right where you're at. Well, the Bible said He is seeking for such that will worship Him. If anybody in this play, I know I do, if anybody wants him to come to you, to come where you're at today, then you know what you need to do? Then you praise him. Come on, somebody do it. Praise him right now. Clap your hands right now. Worship because that's what draws him. He inhabits the praises of his people. The effects of worship, it draws the presence of the Lord. Another one, Jesus told Peter, he said, Peter, go feed my sheep. We oftentimes think sheep always means the church, but understand God's heart is for the lost. And when he said, feed my sheep, he was talking about people not in church. Why? Because he spoke about the lost sheep of Israel in the same scripture text. Another text says the parable of one lost sheep. Sheep are always identified as being the lost ones. Luke 12, 32 says, Fear not, little flock, for it is the pleasure of the Father to give the kingdom to you. One other translation says, If you want to please me, feed my sheep. Another translation says, I love this one, it says, Love your community more than you love your church. Y'all are quiet today. Do you know Jesus wants us to love our community more than we love the church? Why? Because he has a heart for the lost. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And you and I, the church, needs to get out of the church, out of the building, leave the building, and go after the lost. How do we do that? We worship, and when we worship, the lost will be affected and get saved. Understand, we should love all sheep today. 
black sheep, white sheep, Hispanic sheep, Asian sheep, poor sheep, rich sheep, old young sheep. We need churches like that. We need churches that love people. David wrote most of the book of Psalms, the song book. And Jesus himself quoted from this book more than any other books in the Bible. Why? Because his mission was to seek and to save that which was lost. He understood the connection between worship and reaching the lost. And if we'll worship, it'll be easier to win people. Understand, I'm not just talking about during church like we did just a moment ago. I'm talking about a lifestyle of worship, a heart after God. I love this about David. He loved the presence of the Lord. He loved the presence of the Lord. And I love the Bible because it's, it takes people like David who are imperfect. David had his flaws. He messed up. He made mistakes, but I'm thankful that God can still use people that mess up. And we see in David's situation, there's a couple of scenes of his life. One, he's at his high. He's following behind the Ark of the Covenant, dancing with all of his might, praising God. It's a great day. It's a happy day. He's on top of the world. He's on cloud nine. Nothing could ever mess that up. But then in another scene and moment in his life, he's at his all-time low. He's committed adultery. He's had Uriah killed. And now he's reaping the fruit of it. It's come to his home and in his arms he's holding his dead baby. But in both scenes of his life, in the high times when everything is good and yet in the low times, he still had made up his mind, I'm still going to be a worshiper. Sometimes we can come through these doors on any given Sunday and we won't worship because it wasn't the right song, the right temperature, the right light setting. We ate too much turkey this week. Our ball team didn't win. They got my seat. Come on, they got my parking space. I'm preaching good right here. Amen. Well, I'm going to show that, Pastor. I'm just not going to worship today. Honey, I don't care what you do. <laughs> it ain't about me. It's about him. <laughs> and David said, no matter what, I'm going to be. See, if you're going to be a worshiper, you got to already make up in your mind, come hell or high water, come money or not, come bankruptcy, come whatever, whatever the doctors, I'm still in the good times. I'm going to be a worshiper. In the lean times, I'm going to be a worshiper. In the bad times. I'm going to be a worshiper like Job said the Lord gives away and he takes and he gives but blessed be the name of the Lord are there any worshipers in the house it's time for the worshipers to get up it's time for the worshipers to rise in this place oh come on we got to get a hold of that Mount Holly in the good times we're going to praise him in the bad times we got to praise him hallelujah Hallelujah. Hallelujah. With the ark coming, he praised him. With the death of his baby, he praised God. He worshiped the Lord because the Bible said he got up from the earth, he washed and anointed himself, he put on some new clothes, and he went to the house of the Lord. Where are we at today? 
David's baby just died. He was holding the baby in his arms, and after it died, he went in, washed himself, and anointed himself, put on some new clothes, and he went to church. And it said, and he worshiped. Can I be trained? There's a lot of times I don't feel like doing that. I don't feel, every time I come here on Sunday, I don't feel like worshiping. I don't feel like preaching. But I've made up my mind. Because <laughs> I know the effects it has on me. I know what the effects it has on us. One thing we've got to take notice of is that the kingdom of Israel, I love this right here, another effect of a worshiping church. Watch this. The kingdom of Israel under King David's leadership expanded more than any other king. The kingdom grew more, prospered more, advanced more, won more battles. Why? I believe it's connected. I believe the reason all these things happened was because King David was a worshiper. What are you saying, Pastor? Do you want the church to grow? Come on, somebody. Do you want the church to grow? Does anybody want the church to grow? Does anybody want the church to advance? Do you want to grow personally? Do you want the ministry to grow? Do you want your home to grow? Do you want your marriage to grow? Do you want to see us reach more souls? Come on, somebody. Then I've come to tell you it's time for the church to rise up and be a worshiping church. It's no coincidence that the most prosperous kingdom was ruled by a guy who spent a lot of times giving God the glory. There is a divine connection between that hallelujah the Bible says that one of the signs of the last days the end time is that God would restore the tabernacle of David who I'm preaching about what is the tabernacle of David it's the tabernacle of worship in the last days God I'm going to restore that I'm going to bring that back the living Bible translation says I'll build it up again, the ruins thereof, and I'll set it up that the rest of humanity might find the Lord, including the Gentile. Do you get that right there? In the last days, I, God, am going to rebuild me some tabernacles of worship, and when my people worship and praise me with the lifting of the hands, with the clapping of the hands, with tears streaming down their face, when they praise Him on the musical instruments, when they praise Him with their voices and song then I, God, am going to reach the nations. I'm going to reach the lost. I'm going to reach the Gentiles. I'm going to reach the communities. I'm going to reach out into the schools. And I believe there is a connection. And I believe this is a church right here of destiny and purpose. I believe God is raising up this church to say we refuse to become a dead, dried up, lifeless church but we're going to give God glory and honor and praise every time we come into this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God said I will rebuild the tabernacle of David what was the tabernacle of David it was a tent and the thing that was different from Moses' tent that Moses had a tent 
David had one, but there was a difference. Moses kept the curtains down, the veil down. Only one person could go see the Ark of the Covenant. But when David got the Ark and brought it back, he kept the curtains up. In other words, we need to have a whosoever will come church. Amen. Let everybody come on in. Say, come on. Somebody say, come on in, everybody. Oh, the black and the white and the Hispanic and the Asian and the rich and the poor and the young and the old and the drug addicts and the homosexuals and everybody's welcome here because everybody needs Jesus. And Jesus said, I have come to seek and to save those that were lost. Church, and if we'll be a worshiping church, it'll draw. Come on, somebody. We are a whosoever will church. David rolled up the curtains. Come on in. And then David surrounded it with 4,000 musicians. Pastor Jason, you think we can get 4,000 musicians in here and singers? I'd I'd love it if we could. (laughs) Hallelujah. They had four, watch this, four different shifts that changed out every few hours. And the Ark of the Covenant was right in the middle of all the worship that was going on. I believe God is wanting to restore the tabernacle of David in worship right here. I believe God is wanting to do whosoever will come to this church. And then the presence of the Lord is going to touch them when they walk into this place. Think about it. Come on, worship team, help me this morning. I'm going to close. They rolled up the curtains and 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, 4,000 people surrounded the ark which was the representation which contained the presence of God. It was the center focal point and worship took place all around it 24-7, 365 days a year. We love you. We worship you, God. We honor you. And the kingdom of Israel grew more, prospered more, advanced more during that time than it ever had. Don't tell me there's not an effect from worshiping God. Maybe you're here this morning and you'd say, well, why do we need so much worship to God in our life and in our church? Let me sum it up this way as I close. Because Satan's opposition against you and I is nonstop. It continues on and on and on. Revelation 12 and 10 says, Satan has access to the throne of God as the accuser of the brethren. And how many of you know he's doing that day and night, night and day? Does anybody remember the story of Job? When the angels went to present themselves before God, Satan went with them and he went to accuse Job before the throne. And the devil is constantly, constantly, persistently before the throne of God accusing us of lying and cheating. He did this, she did that. Constantly filling the throne room with accusations. And I'd hate to think that the devil's more determined to get in God's presence to accuse than I am to give God praise today. See, if the devil can have a continual spirit of accusation against us, we ought to have a continual spirit of worship. 
because we're forgiven of everything he's accusing us of because of the blood of Jesus. So Satan, if you're going to accuse me before the throne day and night, I'm going to worship him day and night. Don't even have to be at church to do it. I can worship him in my car. I can worship him at home. I can worship him in the yard. I can worship him with my mouth closed, with my eyes shut. I can worship him with my hands tied. I can worship him with my mouth taped shut. Can't nobody keep me from worshiping the Lord. Hallelujah. Can I just level with you? Some say, well, I just can't worship when I go to church because this happened and that person hurt my feelings and that person got my seat and that person got my parking spot and it's too quiet today. Oh, it's too loud. It's too cold. It's too hot. Preacher preaches and spits all over the place. I can't, can't worship in that. Man. Think about Think about Satan for a moment. Watch this, and I'm closing. He goes back to heaven after being kicked out. How many know Satan was kicked out of heaven? Lucifer for rebelling. In fact, God kicked him out of heaven with one little finger is all it took according to the Bible. <laughs> Jesus said, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. That's fast. He was kicked out because of pride and rebellion. But the Bible says he goes back in as the accuser of the brethren. Don't think for one moment he's not ashamed to go right back and accuse us. You know, if we'd been kicked out of a place, I wouldn't want to go back. Satan don't let it bother him. I can just see him prancing right back in there. Do you know what he did? Do you know what she did? Do you know what Job did? Do you think the angels run up to Satan when he comes in and pats him on, glad you're back, we missed you, come on in? No, they're probably thinking, you traitor. But he walks in anyhow and doesn't care. Doesn't bother him. Doesn't matter what they've said about him. Doesn't matter what they say about him. Doesn't matter who likes him and who don't. And today I would hate to think the devil is more determined to get in God's presence than I am or you are or our church is. We church, let me preach to you. We cannot allow people and circumstances to stop us from getting into God's presence. We cannot for one moment let the devil outdo us because he's going to get in God's presence and accuse. That makes me more determined no matter how I feel, no matter how good things are or bad, I'm not going to let the devil outdo me. God has been too good to me. He has redeemed me. He saved me. He's blessed me with a family. He's blessed me with a church. He's blessed my health and I want to worship him and give him honor today. Worship is so important. And if you and I and our church will take on a lifestyle of where I'm not talking about just when we come here, but a lifestyle every day. Lord, I love you. I worship you. Live a lifestyle of worship. Then I promise you, you'll begin to see it have an effect on the lost. 
it'll begin to affect the communities we live in. It'll affect our church when we come together. It'll affect your home life and family. It'll even affect your finances and relationships, your joy. See, I believe if we're going to praise Him forever, don't you think we ought to start practicing now?